Hi, and welcome to the State of Shakespeare. I'm Jim Elliott. And I'm Garrett Vandermeer. And today in the program, we have Yao Dogbe. Hi, Yao. How's it going? It's excellent. Thank you. Yao is a first-generation Ghanaian-American. He's a classically trained actor who strives to create the classics for the future. He attended Norfolk State and has an MFA in acting from the University of Houston. His previous performance credits include Chicago Shakespeare as Orsino in Twelfth Night, Macduff in Short Shakespeare, and other credits include King Lear at the Shakespeare Theater in Washington, D.C., Cymbeline at Utah Shakes, Fences at the American Players Theater, Othello and Love's Labor's Lost at Montana Shakespeare in the Park, and many, many other credits. Uh, and he is currently appearing as the Duke of Buckingham in Chicago Shakespeare Theater's production of Richard III. Welcome, Yao. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. I'm very happy to be here and happy to meet you both, Garrett and Jim. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Yeah, Tom. I'm really glad. Thanks for joining us on this uh, early morning. It's it's 8 o'clock in the morning in January in Chicago. How's, <laughs> how's January in Chicago treating you? Oh, my goodness. So last week, was it last week? I want to say about a week and a half ago, it was negative eight degrees, negative 10 degrees. This is definitely a city you have to be prepared for. This is all, this is my second time performing at this time of year. Uh, the very first time was when I did do McDuff at Chicago Shakes. It happened to be in the same time frame from about January to April. And at that time, it was that there was a polar vortex at that time, which brought temperatures down to negative 30. So I'd say I'm a veteran for <laughs> for Chicago <laughs> weather. Um, yeah. I, I, I make sure I keep my heat tech on, stay layered, um, big coats, boots, stay warm. The Chicago Shakespeare Theater is right out on Navy Pier, right? It is on the Navy Pier. So, you know, there's, there's that cold wind that comes off the lake and yeah, breezes right in through the city and they don't call it the Windy City for nothing. So and you're joining us during Tech Week. Yes, yes, we are in tech. Today is our last day of tech. We've been in tech since last Sunday. And um, yeah, this this show is is going to be pretty tech heavy, pretty tech heavy. We've got some really cool things going on for our audience. This is a historic production for the Chicago Shakespeare Theater for a number of reasons. What is it about this production that is unique? Well, first I want to talk about the music element. John, who works on our music, is doing a phenomenal job with this. There is a chorus for the show that the actors themselves sing as what we call orderlies. Um, this show takes place in the mind of Richard. So it is like a sort of dark uh, nightmare of what Richard may dream would happen if he made these acts or if he uh, partook in his thoughts in, in a complete way. And so it, we deal with different color schemes, blacks, whites for the set design as well as the costume design. Um, but the music is a very, very special element that sort of pops out uh, the dark elements of the show in a humor, in, in a comedic way. Edward Hall really wanted to, you know, go this sort of nightmare route making you feel as uncomfortable as I think Richard felt in his time, but also uh, as uncomfortable as the show really is. You know, we've got Katie Sullivan at the helm of this show that's really doing a phenomenal job in developing who she believes Richard to be. And 
she is on prosthetics in the show and how important that is as well for uh, diversity and inclusion and and how necessary that is to to tell um, a very compelling and a new story of Richard. But yeah, we're very proud of um, our group, our cast, um, our creative team. They're, they're all doing phenomenal work. You mentioned a couple of names. You mentioned Edward Hall. Yes, this is Edward Hall's first production um, at Chicago Shakespeare Theater directing, coming over from London. And yeah, he's been a joy to work with. When I was doing uh, Twelfth Night as Orsino, Tyrone Phillips was the director of that production. Uh, shout out to Tyrone, a good friend of mine. Um, that's that's when I met Ed, Ed Hall. Actually, I was one of the first people. We happened to run each other into each other in the hallway when he first uh, got into town, and uh, and had a great conversation about family and and that family is one of the things that that means a lot to me. Which is it's kind of what my my track into getting into. Uh, most of the characters that I portray. And um, yeah, so we, we connected very quickly. And, and I think Ed is a, is a very beautiful person and a, and a very funny guy too. <laughs> uh, is he taking over the helm as artistic director there after Barbara Gaines? Yeah. And Barbara Gaines was the founding artistic director of Chicago Shakes and, and was the director for many, many years. Yeah. This really is ushering in a new chapter in the story of Chicago Shakespeare. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we hope that, you know, we hit the ground running at 12th night did, did great. And, you know, I think for the, the remainder of the season, it's, it's about keeping that same momentum. And you yeah. mentioned how important family is to you. Do you have family yeah. that is able to come and see the show? Yes, I'm so excited. Uh, my mother and my sister actually will be flying out to see this production. I, I'm kind of nervous about what, <laughs> what they're going <laughs> to think about some elements of the show, as I said. Um, some of the themes of this production are, are they live in a dark, humorous place. But me and my sister, we grew up watching uh, Halloween and uh, The Nightmare on Elm Street and mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th and, uh, and and all of these different kinds of movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I think that I think that she'll she'll come at the story with a very open mind and, and be in, in awe and experience a great deal of joy from what she witnesses. Do you think that she'll recognize Yao in the character of Buckingham in any way? What what parts of you do you think she'll most recognize in the character? Oh, that's a great one. Um, um, my family, I, we're first-generation American. Um, my, both of my parents were born in Ghana. And so my father came to this country back in the 50s, I want to say 60s, and and retired here. And my mother came with him around that time in the in the late sixties, and so not having an immediate, uh, not having cousins, not really growing up with grandparents in that way because we are uh, first gen, you know, family has always been extremely important to me. And uh, what I've done in, in the research for for Buckingham and, and the the real life story of Buckingham, that was my track into Buckingham. And, and trying to figure out where there is honor, um, where, where I can find love, because I think that is a driving force for, for all of us as humans is when we think about what happens in our world, oftentimes we, we think about how it would affect our loved ones, how it would affect our children, how it could affect our brothers, our sisters, our community, our neighbors. And, uh, and for me, that is, that is one that I think that my sister may see when she watches the show. She may see that familial element to Buckingham 
and that love try to pierce through as I'm playing politics in this in this story and the earnest nature of it I think um because I think that for Buckingham it's it, <laughs> being a politician sort of in, in in so many different ways having to navigate what is happening around you and being an a, a observer I think is is extreme for Buckingham. And and I think that's also something that my sister might find is that in my real life, I find myself to be an observer in rooms sometimes. Who who encouraged you on your path to becoming an actor? Oh, man. So um, I started out, I started out fifth grade, a <laughs> fifth grade talent show. Then I did forensics in the sixth grade. But the most, the most pointed individual that, that really helped me through was a woman named Tracy Bourne um, at Bethel High School in in Hampton, Virginia. When I was growing up, uh, she was my drama teacher, and and she was one of the first people that really let gave me the opportunity to express my talent on stage or express my love for the arts on stage. Uh, but when I was an undergrad at Norfolk State University, I also auditioned for the plays that were being done. Uh, and Dr. Clarence Murray, um, the late Clarence Murray, was one that really took me under his helm and gave me an opportunity to to be on stage. Uh, after I graduated from undergrad, I decided to uh, fly out to L.A. and, and fight for it. Um, before that, I did a talent show in Virginia that that got me my manager. I did a performance in in, North, in Las Vegas, which got me my L.A. manager. And then I went out to L.A. to, to fight for the dream. Uh, shortly thereafter, I started my own theater company. I said, OK, I, I do want to go to graduate school. I do need professional official training in this. This is something that I've been doing, auditioning at the undergrad level, but never really being trained in, in, in theater or being trained in the classics and uh, auditioned for several universities and was selected by a handful. But I chose uh, University of Houston. I'm so thankful for Jack Young for bringing me into that program. But Sarah Becker is the uh, was the Shakespeare textual analysis uh, director and, and teacher of that program, the professor of that program. And she was the one that really got me uh, invested into Shakespeare and, and made me fall in love with Shakespeare, learning about the trophies, learning about the Anapes, learning about the Spondees, Pyrrhics, all of it, the the, the what we call feminine endings of lines, um, the musicality of the text. And and once it began to click and I found myself in Shakespeare is when I began to fall in love with Shakespeare. I, I will say, uh, to be completely transparent and honest, I originally, coming from where I come from, the, the background that I have and um, the community that I was raised in, I didn't originally think that Shakespeare was for me. But through performing Shakespeare and through learning Shakespeare, I, I believe Shakespeare is for everyone. Uh, and I believe that Shakespeare is absolutely necessary and uh, for, for a, a variety of reasons. Um, but I, I absolutely attribute, and I say this to her all the time, and she'll probably blush if she hears this, but Sarah Becker, I, I absolutely attribute my, my professional Shakespeare career to her work and her class, her, her enthusiasm um, about Shakespeare was, is, is so necessary to get a guy like me to say, you know what? This is something I'm seeing somebody who really loves a, a thing here, <laughs> and I got to figure that out. I got to figure where that's coming from. And after I did, I fell in love with it as well. So, so Yao is gonna 
perform a monologue of Buckingham's from Act Five, Scene One, or Richard the Third. But before you do, yeah, one, can you give us a little setup as to what's going on and what what comes before this speech? Yes. So this is after Buckingham's defection. So this is uh, this is obviously in the story of Richard III. Buckingham is sort of his right hand man, and and helps him along his journey to obtaining the crown. And at some point, Buckingham says to himself, I think we've gone a little too far. And for him, that moment is uh, the children and the potential execution of the children, that narrative starting to uh, bubble around in his head by Richard and saying that, you know, I won't be king officially until he says the bastards are dead is what he the, the official line that he says. And um, I think that strikes Buckingham in a very real way. And for me, as I spoke about earlier, family is so, so important to me. And and that was my path. And I almost looked at it how Tony Montana might have looked at uh, 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 his. He has a limit. There is a limit to to, to where he <laughs> he says, OK, look, anything to get to the top, whatever it takes to get to the top. But I'm not doing anything with kids. Um, that was his his limit. And yep. I, I see Buckingham as that same kind of, he has that same kind of passion and energy. And, and when that was proposed to him, that was his, that was the thing that said, okay, you know what, this has gone too far. And then yeah. he decided to defect. And after the right. defection um, is, is, is now he's captured and, and brought back. And this is where he meets his own demise. Uh, Margaret, from all of the other, the, the previous um, Henrys is now in Richard. And, and she says, look, this is what you all are, have done to me. And I am now going to curse you all for uh, what you've done to me. And I hope that none of you live to your natural age. And she curses Buckingham in that as well um, yeah. after he denies her. She's a little angry. <laughs> yeah, she's a little, she's a little upset. <laughs> she's a little yeah. upset about how things transpired for her. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is the monologue that that comes after. This is his final monologue that comes after his entire arc. This is Yao Dogbe doing Buckingham from Act Five, Scene One of Richard the Third. Why then, All Souls Day is my body's doomsday. This is the day which, in King Edward's time, I wished might fall on me, when I was found false to his children and his wife's allies. This is the day wherein I wish to fall by the false faith of him who most I trusted. This, this all souls day to my fearful soul is the determined respite of my wrongs. That high all seer which I dallied with has turned my feigned prayer on my head and given in earnest what I begged in jest. And thus, Margaret's curse falls heavy on my head. When he, Quoth she, shall split thy heart with sorrow. Remember, Margaret was a prophetess. Come, sirs, convey me to the block of shame. Wrong hath but wrong, and blame the due of blame. Thank you. There doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be an apology in there. There is. <clears throat> There is an, uh, not necessarily an apology, I would say. There is an acceptance of circumstance. 
and a regret. There is an, a, a regret, absolutely, to say that I trusted this man and I was warned about trusting this man. And whatever my ambitious efforts were to say, because uh, he he's offered the Earl, the, the Earl of Hereford and the earldom. And with that, he then makes his choices to, to join Richard's side and says this might be the most feasible route, the, the most diplomatic route for me to gain power. Um, and I, again, equate that power to, to family um, and protection in, in tumultuous times. And, and protecting one's family and passing down a, a legacy that can keep uh, a family protected in, in difficult times as well. Um, but I think he he overshoots that 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 ambition and finds himself caught up in in a whirlwind of of danger, deception, manipulation, uh, coercion, and all of it. And says, was it truly worth it in the end? Number one and. I don't know that it was, if this is how it was going to end. And, and an acceptance and saying, this what, these were my choices. This is what I did with my life. This is what I decided to do. This is what I thought was best. And this, unfortunately, is the outcome. I played around with God. I right. made a vow. I said to, I said in front of everybody that whenever Buckingham doth turn his hate upon your grace, but with all duteous love doth cherish you and yours. God punish me with hate in those where I expect most love. So he is, he's saying that if I ever go, if I ever do wrong to your majesty, referring to King Edward, God punish me with hate in those where I expect most love. And he expects love in Richard. He expects Richard to be a friend. And um, and that is what he means when he says that high all fear, which I dallied with, has turned my fainted prayer on my head. I think he I think he's a man that that may not believe in the, the curses of that world or, or, or may not believe in in his words having a, an absolute effect on his life in, in, in the Shakespearean text. And so he sort of plays around with it to play these politics and, and finds himself caught up in the end. Yeah. Yeah. There's a correlation, I think, to the modern age there. Yeah, that, that idea. One of the things that I want to point out about your performance so that we can talk a little bit about your approach to Shakespeare is there was a really nice journey. I mean, and we're just listening to you. So in, in your voice, uh, there was a really nice journey in this character. It, it, you accelerated into the middle of the piece and then you, you sort of hit a peak vocally and then you draw the light it was almost in a in a way like a structure of a sonnet you're rising up and then those last two lines come sirs convey me to the block of shame there was that acceptance that i felt from you when you approach shakespeare where do you start i mean what's the first step for you Absolutely. Um, for me, especially with the history plays, I watch a, a great bit of documentaries. My father was a sociologist. He was a sociology professor uh, at Norfolk State University, a PhD. And so that is the sort of the, the idea of politics, the idea of, you know, I, I grew up around um, history and, and knowing about history and also being African. 
being very connected to the history of, of oneself. And so when I dive into these characters, it's about the history for me, especially with the history plays, you know, where moments before all of these different things that make a character very real. For me, it was, uh, I believe, a, a performance that Anthony Scher had done uh, some years ago that I had watched his his portrayal of it. I had watched him speak about it in a, in a, in a number of interviews and his, his approach to uh, Richard also. Um, this isn't the first time I've done Richard. I've done Richard, uh, the very first time I did Richard was at Houston Shakespeare Festival in 2000 and uh, whew, to the summer of 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time I was playing one of the murderers. I was still brand new to Shakespeare. I didn't, it wasn't very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I must say so myself, I didn't quite understand the, the, the comedic journey of the, of the murderers and how they, how they uh, play into the show. But, you know, seeing Jack Young, who played Richard at that time, portray Richard, that also helped me with this revisiting of this show some uh, seven years, was it seven years, six, six, seven years? Yeah, later, seven right? years. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You've been and, busy. And now, yeah, now taking a um, a new look at it from the lens of, of Buckingham. And and um, yeah, for, for me, what, how I make it my own, it, it to me, it's always about finding yourself in it. It isn't about trying to necessarily play around with with uh, with with vocals or, or play around with if if that comes through by all means if you find that within it by all means. Um, now you, you spoke about I'll be very direct in what you did speak about it as far as the the um, the language and how I maneuvered through this monologue. It is an emotional journey. I think the music of it is finding that emotional journey. Where am I? Where does it sit in my in my body? Where does it sit in my voice? Uh, where is it that I accept it? Where is it that I'm frustrated that this is it? That this is the end? How, how do I, why am I speaking right now? Who am I speaking to? And I right. think that with Shakespeare, with these with these monologues, there's always somebody that Shakespeare, that, that, that characters are speaking to. And, and even me, in the soliloquies, even in the soliloquies, absolutely. Um, whether that be the audience, whether that be someone, whether that be the gods, whether it be your, your inner child, uh, I think there's all kinds of different things that you can find in this. And, and for me, I, I just love the, I love the mechanics of it. I'm, I'm again, because of Sarah Beckard, because of my <laughs> upbringing, um, I love going through and finding where I can, find those emotional trophies. Why is that like that? Or why is this, why does this meter not seem like it fits uh, entirely or does it? Can we, can we force it to fit? Can we always make it fit? Um, does right. it ever have to go into an anapest? Uh, does it ever have to end in, a, in an interesting way? What happens if, if, a, if a word at the end of a line happens to drop off and I decided to raise it to, to match the meter? Um, I like to find all that stuff, but but I think the most important thing is making it sound like making it understandable. It has to feel like I'm speaking. It has to feel like I am taking the journey along with Buckingham. 
yeah. um, as Buckingham, I am taking that journey and, and discovering these new things in, in real time, discovering that, oh, this is it. This is the end. Why then all souls day is my body's doomsday. Yeah. And then that re that re like, like going back into what happened with Edward. Mm -hmm. And and oh yeah. this is the day which in King Edward's time. So uh, yeah, I, I think that um for me, I love the I love the journey of breaking down the text and and, and scoring my text and, and developing my backstory. Um, to make it real for me, and and that's sort of my approach to every character, but in this case, my approach to Buckingham. Yeah, I think that I mean it, it comes across, and you know, I I, I too, uh, I don't know if you you've done any listening to Garrett and I. We're both like total scansion and you know geeks in that way, looking for those things. But ultimately, I think what was beautiful about what I just heard you do is that all that work was there. But then that all that work is just underlying what you're doing, which is communicating through the text something that uh, that this man is feeling and thinking, and, and how it how and having all that knowledge, we I could hear it right. I could hear all of that work because while it is while you did make it sound like you were just you know speaking to me or to whomever, it's not just regular language, right? I mean and. So you were giving credence to that heightened level of language really nicely in the images that you're working with. So kudos to you. But but yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear that you you you're a, you're a tech geek just like us. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so and so when do you open? We have our first live audience tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. whoa, whoa! Our first What's... live audience. Our first preview is tomorrow night. First preview. And uh, we're 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 running to the. You feel ready? Absolutely. 1000%. I think we're more than ready. I think we absolutely need the audience to help bring this story to life. That audience is always that last puzzle piece to the, to the, yeah. to the whole picture here to, yeah. to help us understand what the story really is and help us understand what the story is doing. I mean, one thing yeah. I will say very quickly about Edward Hall and his rehearsal style, I thought was, was so thoughtful and beautiful. One of the first times that we had so many elements um, that in, that are involved in the show, so close. Like I would say, roughly after the first week of rehearsal, we had most of the things that we were going to use in the show. So we were so ready to to be a part of this. This is a huge ensemble piece. Um, this yeah. rendition of Richard Three, we none of us ever really leave the stage. That's another thing that is very specific to this uh, rendition of Richard Three. As we are in the mind of Richard, there are what we call orderlies that that are around that 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 uh, are they are the choir, they are the nurses, they are the doctors. They play so many different roles in this in this production. And so when we when we play our role, we then have to come back and and be an orderly and 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 have and play those different things and it's almost like magic you know seeing folks yeah. transition from character to character and never really leave the stage and be singing and be performing and be doing verse and and all of these things <laughs> yeah so that's what i will say about edward is is he he created a space for us to really flourish by um by giving us a lot of the different things that we were going to need in the show uh to make to, for the mechanics of the show 
uh, very, very early on. So it's time for an audience at this point. Good. It sounds so exciting, so fascinating. You mentioned, like, almost in the same description, you mentioned that you're teasing out the comedy of Richard III, but also that it's, re- like, you you mentioned uh, horror movies in relation to Richard III. Uh, do, the, do those two coexist in this in this production? They absolutely do. They absolutely do. I think I labeled it as a, as a sort of, um, as a nightmare, if you will, uh, for Richard. And and, and and kind of a nightmare. And I think that the point is for the audience to feel what what it may have felt like, you know, that uneasy feeling that that nothing is quite something is something is off here. Um, you know, in the War of the Roses, we we changed kings. Uh, I want to say some seven times within a 30 year time span. Mm-hmm. And so something is unsettling here. There is there is not anything that is stationary that is keeping us stable that is keeping us on one singular accord or, or, or one singular track and so by using the theme of, of horror mixed with the the <laughs> the how, how comedy can make something palpable i i think was very clever on edward's part to to, to go this route and and do something that i think has never really been done before with richard three yeah. I don't know many comedic Richard Threes in the yeah. canon. He's charming. Right. But right. he's not necessarily hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what uh we'll see what works. We'll see what doesn't. That's what the audience is there for as we move into previews. Yeah. And um and yeah, but that that is the ultimate goal is to is to enjoy it but also feel the the tension and the and yeah. the and the terror and, and even horror of uh, some of the acts being done. Yeah, and they're awful. Um, well, hey, thank you for sharing uh, uh, your morning with us. Um, yeah, it's been a delight to meet you. It's been a delight to talk to you and hear your thoughts. Um, and uh, break a leg tomorrow night. Thank you, Jim, for, for having me. And thank you, Garrett, for having me as well. It's been a, truly an honor uh, to be a part of it. Well, thank you for joining us on The State of Shakespeare. Thanks for joining us for the State of Shakespeare podcast. We invite you to visit stateofshakespeare.com for more episodes, information about each of our guests, and the Shakespeare text you heard on the program, and much more. And we welcome you to join the discussion by liking us on Facebook. That's www.stateofshakespeare.com. Thanks for listening.